The Pittsburgh Steelers made another trade for a backup offensive lineman to send them elsewhere for draft compensation. I'll talk about what that says about their current offensive line and what other things Omar Khan and Andy Weidel could be cooking up from this front office. All here on the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn job helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply more from them later so the 53 man roster is complete we could be sitting here and talking about every single spot but we're not going to do that we're going to focus on what i think are some of the more interesting moves and we're going to lead off with yet another trade the steelers have made to get more draft compensation for, for things and they traded away Kendrick Green for a sixth round pick in 2025 now again that's two drafts away it's a sixth round pick but uh being honest, I didn't think that they'd get that get anything for Kendrick Green. If you if you watched him on tape like we have, there's been a lot of negative things to say, and uh, they got something for him that's pretty good, I think, on the part of the Steelers. Now, I did think that they were going to keep him because maybe they felt like they could grow with him, but it's apparent the Steelers weren't kidding themselves about this. They were saying, "Hey, let's just own up to the mistake of drafting him in the third round and expecting him to turn into this really good center." It was a mistake then. Let's not keep paying for it now. And then, in fact, let's get at least something for him now before uh, his time runs up, or people still uh, people still people people eventually find out more and you know about about his struggles right now. So uh, it's apparent that they wanted to get wanted him out, and they were able to get some draft compensation for him. I don't think it's as big as the Kevin Dotson move of trading up from a fifth to a fourth and a and a sixth to a fifth uh as as far as the compensation they got there but still they got something for it and that's not something the Steelers always did in the past you know as far as things now they did make some moves I I think that some people forget that Kevin Colbert made a lot of very sly moves over over the years but uh this is something that I think is showing the willingness to be aggressive and to and to make more moves to you know, get guys out of the way while and pick up draft compensation. And I think that that's, it's kind of interesting to see that this is an offensive line now where just last year going into last season, we were talking about the competition between Kevin Dotson and Kendrick green as starters. And now they're both gone. And again, it gets, but goes back to the point I was making. I think it was at the end of Tuesday's podcast and maybe at the end of Monday's podcast as well, but this shows the Steelers, I think they are in a, a, such a, a much better position where they're looking about who, which guys they got to get rid of instead of which guys they got to keep because they're being you know, because they have to keep them. Be- and it shows that because their roster isn't nearly as thin as it has been in recent years. And another very good sign that this team will be better than people expected it to be going into this the, this season. I also think these moves express confidence in the offensive line and not just the starters but also the backups. Omar Khan and Andy Weidel seem to be operating differently about how they're they're building this group. And that's for both 
protecting Kenny Pickett and establishing the run game that they are believe they believe that much in guys like uh Guys, guys like uh, uh, Nate Herbig, who did who barely even played this preseason, or guys like Spencer Anderson, guys who are still on the roster right now, and I think it speaks loudly about how the Steelers look at their offensive line moving forward. And then the offensive line needs to be huge for this team because they have to be ready to protect Kenny Pickett. They cannot afford him to, to have more concussions. Uh, he had, you know, one one definite concussion, one concussion we, you know, one suspected concussion that we never confirmed. Uh, but either way, two head injuries last year. And if and if he continues to have those, his career is going to get really shortened and they're going to have to, it's going to blow up all of their plans. So best believe, like, I, I feel like the Steelers, they do value depth. As we've seen, they've invested in depth across the board. But it seems that, you know, with the way that they've been approaching their offensive line situation, they are more than comfortable with who they have right now. And I, I think it's part of this new era of, of the front office being willing to be aggressive to get more draft capital that they can use later down the line while keeping those guys. Now, we could also say that there's other things here that at play, like, you know, they kept two punters. So maybe there's something else going on there. But I, I think that's a move because there's other shoes to drop here. Now, I, I want to remind everybody, we say this all the time. The 53-man roster that gets released after initial cuts is not your, you know, all year long 53-man roster. Heck, it's not even all leading up to week one, your 53-man roster. There are tons of moves that happen across the NFL where the guys who, you know, are on a roster now, they won't be on one by by week one sometimes. Not all of them, of course, you know, but, you know, there's guys at the bottom of that, that barely made it in that teams are looking around. Okay, who's on the waiver wire? Who's here? Who's there? Who can we add at, at other positions that were weak and then who who are who are guys at certain positions that are more expendable than others? Um I think the Steelers will definitely be in in play for that and that'll be something that we talk about in another segment in the show today. But I think the bottom line is when you look at this offensive line, I mean, this is a group with Isaac Sayomalu leading the charge now, Dan Moore Jr. is a much better player than he was uh, the past two years. Uh, Mason Cole, James Daniels, they solidify this interior offensive line. And even Takuma Korfor, who looked, I think, decent at right tackle. You saw him even bullying people in some of those preseason moments there uh, that, that the Steelers had this, uh, this uh, preseason. I really think that the Steelers' offensive line is a different group than we've seen for some years now. And... Uh, and part of it, I said, I said along, they need their anchors. I think Isaac Samola has proved to be that anchor, the guy that when he played, when he's on, on the, on the field for the offensive line, everyone else can kind of key off him. He sets a tone and that allows everyone else to be better at their jobs, uh, in their spots. Cause they're not having to overcompensate for other weaknesses on the offensive line. And again, this isn't a, a shot at, at Kevin Dotson. I, I thought he did well for a fourth round pick, uh, you know, Kendrick green, you know, I, again, I think that, he it was never effort was the problem for him. I think he was trying to put his best foot forward. He just wasn't good enough to be a starting center, uh, and then even to be the, the top backup. Uh, and they were trying to, to to see what he could be uh, in the end of it. Kevin Knotson was a guy like he was a decent starting guard for the Steelers, but again, they wanted more than decent. They want this offensive line to be good to very good to maybe even at some point great. Uh, and this is still an offensive line where we're talking about uh, your top offensive tackle that's coming off the bench is your first round pick and Broderick Jones, who you're excited to see play at some point when that happens. Um, and you still have guys like Spencer Anderson, another rookie who is surprised in camp. You still have Nate Herbig. You still you have guys on this on this group right now that are still on your depth chart who are going to be assets for you, not just at this again with the starters, but also as far as depth to give you quality backups, quality opportunities to say, hey. This is, you know, you know, if if you if you're needed in a pinch, 
you're going to be out there. And we know it's coming this year. The Steelers had all of their offensive linemen make every single start last last season without missing a start uh, throughout the year. That's not going to happen every year. And, and I, I think that there's going to be some challenges this year when that doesn't happen for them. And they do have to deal with some injuries at some point. But the bottom line is, I think that you're seeing Andy Weidel. He was known for being a guy who could really de- you know, help scout and develop in the trenches. And I think that he is helping this front office figure front office figure out how to build in the trenches the right way. And you're seeing it with some of these moves while also getting more, tr- more draft capital as Omar Khan and the front office are working the phones to get draft capital in. It just depends on what do they do with it. I think that's going to be very interesting. Times are changing with the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they operate. I want to talk about another move here in a minute. And it also deals with guys who are blockers in this in this offense but it's specifically a tight end and what the move that they made at tight end says about their plans we'll do that in a minute here on the locked on Steelers podcast I'm your host Chris Carter stick with us we got a lot more to discuss in this episode but first before we go anywhere else I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by LinkedIn the link these days Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And then that's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in to help make it easier to find people that you want to talk to faster and free. All you have to do is create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame for your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our show here, and uh, we talked about the offensive line um, as far as uh, as far as far you know what we've seen from the moves, but we got to talk about tight end, too, because the Steelers let go of Zach Gentry, and there wasn't a trade. There was just a straight-up release, and that caught me off guard because – you know, we had talked about in the show, you know, it would be weird for them to keep four tight ends, but Connor Hayward wasn't really a tight end. So maybe they'd sneak him in as like a third running back and let Anthony McFarland go. Uh, and then that way they could have their three tight ends plus Connor Hayward as an extra there while also being an extra in the backfield and also kind of playing fullback because of all the, the versatility that he brings as a player. But no, they just straight up let go of Zach Gentry. Now, we do know he was dealing with an injury. Um and it was you know, it wasn't major, but it seemed like it was hindering him a little bit at the end of preseason there, um, and that's going to play a, a factor for for sure. But um, I, I got to admit, I still I'm still surprised by this because I, I whereas Zach Gentry didn't have as much of a role, and you could see uh, the the progress of all the Steelers tight ends, and how even guys a guy like Rodney Williams who uh, was the was the fifth tight end on this roster. Uh, and he looked really good in training camp and looked like he fit the part of being that third option of tight end. There was just no space for him, but apparently there's no space for Gentry either. Now, something that we did talk about, I talked about with Jerry Dulac a little bit on the North Shore Drive podcast for Wednesday. Go check that out on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's podcast chat channel. But 
uh, something that he brought up that I thought was a very good point by him was that this could be the potential. There's the reason why they didn't try to trade Gentry because I also thought of this. I was like, why would they not? Why would they not trade Gentry when they were trading Dotson and Green? Wouldn't they get a little bit more for Gentry because he has been a guy who's filled in the NFL for longer and his size and experience would make him a reasonable tight end for people it could be that the Steelers are thinking of keeping him in the fold if they if they can if no other team does go out here and grab him whereas if they trade him he's just on that other team there's nothing they can do about it at this point so maybe there's something there to keep Gentry around for the long term but I again I expected Connor Hayward with his versatility to be less of less of a a a serious tight end all the time to be more of like an h-back that kind of moved around um, and that would kind of put the Steelers in a position where like they could justify, hey, we're keeping three real tight ends, and then one guy that can help at tight end while helping at other positions. Uh, but to me, what this move really says, it's not about Connor Hayward, it's not about really Zach Gentry or anything he didn't do, it's about Darnell Washington and how ready they think this guy is. And if you remember all throughout training camp, I talked about how Mike Tomlin pressed Darnell Washington. He was he was pushing to like whenever they did uh backs on backers, they would he would be like, 8 oh, get over here. And he's like, I want to see you on this guy. I want to see you on that guy. And I told you that was that was because he was testing him because he sees something in Darnell Washington that he wants to pull out. And uh I, I think they saw enough of it because if if this move's been made, Darnell Washington is now your your number two tight end. Heck, we saw him getting first team reps uh, with the Steelers offense against the Falcons. And he looked pretty good, especially when it came to blocking. Now, first of all, he's looked really good at blocking since he joined the team and they put the first uh, the first day in pads on at, at Latrobe and, and, and at St. Vincent College uh, because he was dominating there. I've noted how he was winning reps against T.J. Watt. And Donnell Washington is a force in, in, in that department. The one thing that was that was really questioned was, how could how could he improve his route running? Would he improve improve his route running? Because he looked clunky with how he would be able to run at times, and he didn't look too coordinated. And but now it's gotten stronger. And we talked to him last week in the locker room. We had him right. We had a, uh, him him talking on this show uh, with clips that we got from talking to him after a Steelers practice in in the locker room, where he talked about you know the effort that he's put together to be sharper and and a, and a better route runner. Uh, and how he's grown under uh, Alfredo, Alfredo Roberts, the, the Steelers' tight end coach. So he's not just a guy who can just run the seam and catch and just do well with the balls in his hands or, or, or just block. He's a guy that's learning how to counter different things that defenders are trying to do to keep him from being open. And I think that's going to make him a serious threat for the Steelers. Maybe not you know, the primary threat, definitely not the primary threat because with all the talent that they have on that side of the ball. But... Um, I think he becomes a legitimate number two threat. I think he becomes a guy that at tight, at tight end. I think he becomes a guy that, you know, when he's on the field and if you're the Steelers and you have, let's say you're running, uh, what, 12 personnel. Uh, so you're, let, let's say you're running 12 personnel. You have one running back. You got two tight ends. You got two wide receivers. Let's say uh, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymuth, Darnell Washington, Najee Harris are on the field all at the same time. Who's the guy that you leave in that, that you assign your le- your least talented guy to? Because your top corners are taking on Pickens and uh, and Johnson. You're not leaving those guys 
uh, with, you know, with just mediocre guys, you got to assign your best, you know, cover, cover safety or linebacker or, or double team to Pat Fryermuth because you know, his talent level, uh, Najee Harris can't be ignored and he's going to take away a linebacker. So who, who gets to cover Darnell Washington and, and his six, seven frame with an insane, insane wing, wingspan and huge strength. That's going to help him win a lot of situations. That's going to be a tough question for, for uh, defensive coordinators to answer throughout the year. And I think that that's where you could really see him shine, shine the most. And that's why I think this move says a lot that they think that he's ready to at least be in that role. He doesn't need to be the number one tight end. He just needs to be the number two tight end on most, in most situations and be ready to block catch, you know, the passes that are thrown to him and, and keep working on getting open. But I think that this is a good position for that they're in right now. And again, the flexibility that this is going to offer to both the run and the pass game is what I think makes this truly interesting because Darnell Washington's ability to run block. We saw you go, go back and watch what he did on the Jalen Warren touchdown and how he steals his man to the outside, just destroys everyone, everything in his path. And then even when Jalen Warren crosses the end zone, you see the Falcons guys kind of like, you know, being on top of him and he just moves them out of the way. He just has that physical dominant presence that I think that you're, that you're going to, that you're going to, that you love to see at tight end there. And that's where uh, I, I think they saw enough of is to say, you know what, this guy can hit, this guy is fierce. This guy can go up and get it. And we, we've seen him improve. Let's invest in Darnell Washington being that real number two tight end. And I think, again, he goes along with the whole style of bully ball that the Steelers have been talking about. They want an offensive group that can push people around, be more physical, dominate the line at the line of scrimmage and make it easier to run the ball as well as then when they're running the ball better, making it easier to uh, to throw the ball because teams can't just lock in on one aspect of what the Steelers do. And again, it comes down to uh, all these all these guys playing together, all these guys working together. And eventually with Donna Washington, can you know, can he become a consistent cog of this offense when it comes to blocking at the key point of attack? And I think Darnell Washington, if he if he continues to mature, he's going to be someone that teams do not look forward to game planning for because of the matchup problems he'll have both in as a run blocker in the run game and as uh, as a receiver in the passing game. So uh, lots of things to compute there. We will keep our eyes on how things progress uh, for for the Steelers at tight end. I want to talk about the cornerback situation because uh, the Steelers made some moves there. Not not as, not really that unpredictable, but. We got to talk about what they really want to do now that their their fifty three roster has been set uh, at the deadline, and what other players are out there now, or which other players are out there now that they could be taking a look at as another option at cornerback. We'll do that all here on a minute in in a minute on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our discussions here about the different moves after the 53-man roster. The cornerback room, uh, well, let's go with the defensive backs as a whole. They kept five cornerbacks and five safeties. Uh, Obvious ones, Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr., those three corners were kept. Um, And then uh, at the bottom of the corners, they brought up, they kept uh, Shannon Sullivan, their top slot corner. Uh, that they that they brought in this year in free agency, and they kept James Pierre, who some people felt wasn't good enough in preseason to be kept. Apparently, the Steelers thought thought otherwise. At safety, they kept uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, of course, Keanu Neal, Demonte KZ, 
Um, but then they also kept Miles Killebrew as their special teams ace, which he has been for some years now. Um, and they also kept Elijah Riley. And you could classify him as a slot corner or a safety, but he brings that versatility we were talking about earlier. And I think that that's where what won him over for the Steelers was they want to keep that guy around so he could be that kind of a, of a player. Um, so all that being said, that's, again, five corners, five safeties, 10 DBs, however you look at it. I still think this is the group that could be used in addition here to help them. And one thing, again, talking with Jerry Dulac, he brings this up too as well in our North Shore Drive podcast for the Post-Gazette. Go find that show. Uh, but, you know, the Steelers might, you know, might, might feel right now that, like, Patrick Peterson can't be 100% relied upon to take away guys on the outside when this when the Steelers run man coverage. It's just he's not as fast as he used to be. He's an older player. You want to put him in zone situations or in favorable situations that he'll be able to uh to to win more. And so that means that you know you're going to want to consider more at the uh outside cornerback positions, Levi Wallace who's already really comfortable out there, Joey Porter Jr. who I thought had a pretty good preseason as well, and then James Pierre who we were talking about earlier as a guy who fits the mold of a of a fourth of a fourth guy. Remember, he used to be a guy who um could uh who who you know, was at one point competing to be a starter because of how thin it was at cornerback. But they don't need that anymore. And so, if you're looking at James Pierre and you're saying like, man, that guy's done what he could, but the Steelers could do a little bit better. I actually kind of agree. I, I think that I have nothing against James Pierre. I think that he's done a very solid job for what the Steelers have asked of him. But now that other teams have made their cuts and there's wave players waved and everything. There are interesting names out there that I think could be at least guys the Steelers could kick the tires on. Now, excuse me if some of these guys are higher by the time that you that you've seen this this episode because things move fast in the NFL. But a few ideas as far as what the Steelers could look, be looking for in free agency moves that Omar Khan and Andy Weidel could be considering. I think are moves to bolster the cornerback room, especially the depth at outside corner. Remember Patrick Peterson and where he's at. I, I think they want to find guys with a similar sort of build and athleticism that they've been looking for in the draft. Remember Corey Trice, Joey Porter Jr., both six two guys uh, who can who can run really well, um, and that's where uh, that that's where. Uh, I think that they're going to try to find guys who can at least be that kind of uh, that, that, that kind of that kind of size and that kind of speed, and at least fit that profile with the upside of maybe becoming a little bit better. So that's where I think some things can happen. And there were three names that I that poke out to me as far as guys that I know the profiles of who either are fresh or have been in the NFL and it could at least bring some something like that to the table. And three names popped out to me. One was Darius Rush. Uh, who was waived by the Colts. One was Greedy Williams, who was released earlier by the Philadelphia Eagles. And um, another was Amani Oruwari, um, who was had been with the Buccaneers and was released as well. All these guys, I believe, under 28 years old. Uh, some of them veterans, you know, in Oruwari and Williams. Uh, and, and again, none of these guys are game savers. Like, they're not going to be coming in and just the Steelers are just going to turn them into superstars or anything like that. But I think these are like the type of corners that you're looking for. And again, they're all anywhere from six one and a half to six two as their as their size corners. They all run, you know, four four speed. Uh, you know, maybe even a little bit faster as far as as far as what you want there. So they're bringing the athleticism, they're bringing the size. Some of them bring the experience, and they're at least project that you could put it outside corner, and you could say, hey, you know what? If 
Worst comes to worst, you have this veteran or this guy that you really think fits in here. Let's see what happens here. Or here's the other thing here. So there's those names that I named here, and you can go look them up on PFF and look up highlights and stuff like that if you want. But the reason I gave them is because of their frame, their build, and their potential upside with what could happen here. But um, the other potential here is what if the Steelers just trade for somebody? What if they just g- grab a, a depth outside cornerback that they feel more comfortable with, if maybe with the sixth round pick from Kendrick Green that they just that they just uh, um, uh, they just got? Uh, but or maybe in different, maybe an- another aspect that, that they could trade for. But those things are tough to predict. Like there's times where if we if we were kind of like you know having a, a long summer, like when I predicted Miles Jack to be a Steelers signee even before he was cut by the Jaguars. I don't feel like it's as obvious right now what could happen as far as a guy who could fit the bill of what the Steelers need at corner and also is on a roster where people don't don't want him. And maybe someone else can figure that out right right here and now. But I do think that this is something that the Steelers front office could be on. And let's let's give it up for them, too, because they've been on. I mean, the, again, the Kendrick Green move, the Kevin Dotson move, I think were really solid additions uh, as far as draft capital. Um, I think that they are in a position right now where if you're looking at uh at the at the cornerback position this isn't barren it's not like oh what was the steelers if they don't go and get um you know a top corner or even a, even another depth corner somewhere else in the in the NFL but i do think that uh they they want to have good depth here and they've been making they making the effort to have good depth here and i think that right now they have good depth but i think that if they if they were to go get another guy that could fit this bill maybe they could have even better depth and again that's a very good thing if you remember how things used to be at cornerback james pierre would have started some years uh and not just for a couple games here and there but like started for an entire season like like back when they had cody sensible and Artie burns playing at cornerback you remember those days yeah they were rough and so like I think that what's going to happen is, is that the Steelers, I think corner could be, end up being a a part of their game that maybe gets them in trouble sometimes because they have, uh, because, you know, you look at the rest of the roster, but uh, back at, back then too, like this was a defense that, that was a defense that, that won by getting after the quarterback, that by stuffing the run and then letting the secondary make plays after that. Um, I I think that with the, the current construction of the roster, they'd be able to play that kind of ball and even better uh, the way that they have. And uh, I, I think that, again, when you look back over recent history, what the Steelers have done at cornerback and how they've had to kind of work around that position, this position right now is a pretty good one to be in. Um, and I think that there's they're still looking to add to this group specifically with what they found, uh, with, with what they've been finding um, across the league and what they're what they're looking at. And we still got to see time for that, but um, you know, time for that to actually happen. But bottom line, I'd expect Andy Weidel and Omar Khan to be on the lookout for adding another cornerback somewhere uh, by the time uh, you might be watching this show or listening to this show. Uh, so if something else has happened since since the time I'm recording this really late on uh, on uh, on Tuesday night going into Wednesday. So if something else happens, I apologize if I if I missed it there. But uh, I wanted to get these these thoughts out here after the fifth three man roster uh, uh, was 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 released, at least the initial one uh, by the Steelers. Uh, so we have a lot more still to talk about this week. I want to talk more about looking out globally a little bit to what the Steelers could be as far as some players and projections and things like that. We will do that as this week continues on here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram 
Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find me here on the Locked On Steelers podcast Monday through Friday, every day, breaking your Pittsburgh Steelers down. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to us every day because we are your team every day. Uh, again, thanks to everyone for, for, uh, for checking out the show and supporting. Be back Thursday with more Pittsburgh Steelers talk right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast.